Good morning, all 10 of you. So good to see you this morning. So good to have 10 more bodies in here to heat the place up just a little bit more. If we didn't heat it up enough. Hey, Bob. How are you? Everybody turn around and say hi to Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bobby. Debbie, how are you? Long time no see. Oh, my goodness. It's nice and cool in here. The bride of Vineyard has returned. <laughs> hey, Jilly. All right. I'm going to greet every individual person who walks in today. It's going to be fun. So sorry, guys, if I just cut us off in the middle and say, hey. I'm in, I'm in it. I, I'll go with it. Okay. So... <coughs> Just to be honest, it's been a rough morning for this girl. So we're just going to lean into God. It might look messy, but you know what? He loves his kids. He loves his kids. <sighs> and that's who we are. So um, let's pray and begin. If you would like to stand, pil 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 please feel free to do so. Otherwise, you don't have to. You come to God as you wish. Father, I ask that you would guide us this morning. Thank you so much for your presence with us. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you, trust in your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask for your will to be done this morning. Yeah. 
I just want to challenge you to think about those things that are you might be worrying about right now. That you would truly be willing to surrender it now. Surrender it to God. Give him everything. Give him whatever it is that's on your heart, that's troubling you, that's worrying you. That you can't see where it's going. That you're fearful of where it might be going. And surrender it to him. the world but it couldn't fill me man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough and you came along to put me back together
winter morning. You turn mom into dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the that he is the only one who can, that he can turn mourning into dancing, that he can give beauty from ashes, that he can turn your shame into glory. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he can turn gar graves into gardens? Do you believe that he can turn bones into armies? Do you believe that he can turn seas into highways? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he can take what you're fearing and turn it for his glory? Do you believe that can take your circumstances and turn them for his glory? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Church, believe that. He can take what we see as impossible. And turn it into possible. He can take what we look at as shameful. And use it for his glory. Church. My people. Do you believe that I can do that? Says the Lord. My people. Do you believe that I am enough? Says Lord. My people, will you trust me with it? Whatever it is, says the Lord. Will you rest in me? Says the Lord. Will you lay it down? And look back at me. Will you take your eyes off your circumstances and look at me, says the Lord. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Let us remember that the battle is letting go. The battle is treating you. The battle is standing firm and arming up. But it doesn't mean running around like our heads are cut off. Stand firm. Stand firm.
back up every moment that we recognize lay it back at your feet we lay it back at your feet we lay it down in Jesus name amen gotten out of practice. <laughs> okay, I think I got it. Good morning, guys. Thank you for being here, those of you decided to brave the wilds of Mordor with the heat and the smoke and all the craziness that is our valley at the moment. Um, I noticed a number of you were um, watching online today, so welcome to all of you who were online with us this morning. Um, I totally get like folks with health conditions or if you have kind of other stuff going on where um, the smoke is really come difficulty for you of not going out in it I totally like I'm a I'm a little bit scratchy this morning myself so I apologize for that if um, my voice sounds a little bit rough it's just how probably a large portion of us are today um, we have some really stuff coming up in our church life. Um, Aaron, I'm just, I um, took your guys' slide and I put it on here, so I'm going to kind of do your announcement for you. Cool. Okay. Um, Deb and I kind of touched bases a little bit this morning. So um, we've got some really cool stuff coming up this, this September. So, oh, that is really weird. Okay, it switched there, but not here. Sorry. My... This is just kind of one of those mornings where different stuff is kind of going different ways. So that, um, This fall, starting September 15th, we are going to start an alpha group. Um, so my friends, the Andersons, are going to start alpha. Um, I'm going to start uh, my book study that I do a couple of years of celebration of discipline. Um, the alpha group's going to run 11 to 15 weeks, kind of depending. Is it 11 weeks, Aaron, I think? 11 weeks. Okay. I remember I was talking off the top of my head. Um, my group usually is about eight to 10 weeks, just kind of depending on how stuff goes. Um, also, youth group is going to be starting up. At this point, um, they're looking at September 9th, I believe it is, and they're looking at doing it on Sunday evenings. So they're going to do it Sunday evenings here at the church. Um, and uh, Kat and I met, and she's got some really cool stuff coming for you guys. So that's going to be awesome. Um, we're going to try to work out having child here available for the Wednesday night groups. 
So we're working on that right now. So just know that family and you've got kiddos, but you want to attend Alpha or you want to attend my celebration of doing class, we're gonna we're trying to sort out kind of how to make that happen for you. So just that that's coming up. They're calling it Chick Clicks, which is like really cute. And like Deb and I had to work at trying to get this little chick with the bow in its head um, into the slide. So um, Chick Clicks is going to be starting September 19th after service is the first time you guys are going to meet and you'll get more information from there. But if, and Aaron, you just feel free to correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but like it's going to start, you guys are going to start meeting in small groups of women and then they're going to switch it up. It's kind of like when I used to be a youth leader, we used to do this thing, and I don't know why it's called this, but it was like a Chinese fire drill where as you're caravanning, everybody rides in cars together. And we did it in Young Life too. Everybody rides in cars together. And then you like, when you get to the rest stop, all the students and youth switch cars. And so now you're riding with different people as you go so that it's not just the same people all the time. But as long as nobody gets left behind, yes. We will leave no woman behind. That's our goal. <laughs> yeah, unlike Young Life, which is very true. And youth group a couple times. It's like, okay, everybody, this car's doubling back because someone was still in the bathroom when the rest of us left. And that almost happened our trip up to the... Uh, water park, we had some people who slipped out at the last minute. We, we took, four, there were 40 of us, there ended up being 48 of us that went to the water park together. And um, we had a couple of the young people decide minute that they really needed coffee, and then they needed to get rid of said coffee. And <laughs> snuck back in and we're like, okay, head count, we're missing people. Anyway, but we got them back. We got them back. Uh, it was super fun, though. Um, and uh, for everybody who went, it was it was a really great time. So I'm probably going to be doing a lot of hydro today because I came in rough. This is on the Vineyards um, Facebook page. There's also an online form that you can fill out so that they have your information. We're going to have a physical form here. Um, and then September 19th is kind of the important date after service. So if you have more questions, uh, Aaron Anderson or Deb Palmer, they're kind of your, your contact people for that. So Kat gave us our first kind of feel for Second Peter last week, Second Peter 1. And she talked about Peter was addressing some issues to the church. And there were some things going on that were not orthodox. They were not in line with what folks should believe and should be doing. So before I jump into this, I'm going to pray, and I want for those, all of you online, I even saw a few of you who are on vacation right now, you decided to jump in online, hi guys. Um, so all of us listening online and in person here, um, just that we would soft hearts and that we would allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning, because there are some things in this particular chapter of scripture that are a little bit challenging. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come, that you would be with us this morning, that we would have soft heart to you, Jesus, that Holy Spirit, we would have open um, awareness of how you're speaking to us. Holy Spirit, I ask, would you open up scripture to us this morning? Jesus, Father God, thank you for 
giving us your word, that we could have it to know you better, that it could draw us closer to you, that you could show us as followers of Jesus that we can be, and that you gave us your word um, to help guide us this way. Lord, we're grateful. We're, we're grateful that you cared for us, that you would care to speak to us. So Lord, let us again have soft hearts towards you, what you say to us this morning. Amen. So I'm going to jump in here and start talking about what is orthodox. So orthodox by Webster's means this. Of a person or their views, especially religious or political ones, or other beliefs and practices, conforming to what is generally or traditionally accepted as right, true, established, approved. An example would be an orthodox medical treatment. One of the things Peter's addressing in this particular letter is that there were people coming into the church from, there were outside teachers, outside of Christianity, coming into the church, professing to have accepted Jesus, and then twisting and changing what was orthodox, what was accepted within Christianity. They brought in a belief, and I'll talk a, bit, a little bit more about it later, called Gnosticism. And the Gnostics um, were very prevalent during this time, um, and they still exist today. There are a lot of people who are, who are Gnostic, who... Um, they believe in this um, extreme separation of our physical sense of self and our physical bodies and our self. Um, and so they had some really twisted views, like it doesn't really matter what my body does because it is separate from my spirit, which is divine and eternal. So if my body is out committing adultery my wife, it doesn't really affect my spirit because my body and my spirit are separate things. You see how twisted and weird that can get? And so really you could have your body do anything in their view of Gnosticism because it's not part of my spirit. And it was this Western thinking that our bodies, our spirits, and our mind are all separate. And some of this persists still today. The Judaic and Christian view is that our body, our mind, and our spirit, or our soul, are all intertwined. That you can't separate one from the other. And as we've advanced in medical science, we've seen this through as well. There is a direct correlation between one who is angry, and there is, if, when you are angry, your body has a physiological response to anger. If you're afraid, yesterday Chris and I were in our yard and we have a little, his name's Merlin and a cute little kitty. Anyway, we were putting in this sprinkler system and he was over kind of poking around in the bushes and stuff and turned on the sprinkler system and it started and he like, he leapt up in the air like and back like he literally, it was like he levitated up and back and, and freaked out and then 
Chris went over to comfort him, and he, and he leapt up again and, like, turned around. Like, and she said she, she held him, and his, his heart was just racing and freaking out. And I'm sure you guys have felt that way sometime, right? I have an emotion or I have something going on in my head that affects my physicality. And, some, and, and many times things going on in our spirit, in our spiritual being, affects our physicality and can affect our mind. So they're not separate. They're not these separate things, but rather they're intertwined. And so this early Gnostic view of that whatever my body does doesn't really matter is a lie. It's just not true. And you'll, as we go on, you'll see why I'm kind of digging into this a little bit. So I wanted to start with what is, what is Orthodox? Um, the Apostles' Creed, which is one of the earliest statements of faith that we have in our system of belief, the Christian belief. Uh, 341 AD at the Nicene Council, so where they decided what was canon, like what's going to be included in the scripture. And they came out with this creed of this we believe. And for those of us who were kicking around in the 90s, Rich Mullins, if you remember him, he actually wrote a song that was basically the Apostles' Creed. Um, and it's really cool. It's this cool tune if you're... I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. But I wanted to read this. This is the core of what we as followers of Jesus believe. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who's born from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, who under Pontius Pilate was crucified, buried on the third day, rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father, whence he will come to judge the living and the dead, and in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the remission of sins, the resurrection of the flesh, and life everlasting. These are basic core beliefs that if you're a follower of Jesus, you should believe. And so if you're part of a stream or you hear some preacher, prophet, speaking up front who's saying, yeah, I don't know if Jesus was actually divine. He was maybe just a really good philosopher. Like, he, he had some good ideas. Or if you don't really think that Jesus died and rose again, that he came to sins, that there's a resurrection of, of our flesh at, at some point, we'll be risen to God and live with him forever. These are, these are big things that, that there is a judgment seat that exists that at some point God's going to say, sheep and goats, which are you? And some of us who think we're one thing end up being another, vice versa. Um, all of these things are part of Christian belief. They're what's considered, as I said in the first slide, orthodox. This we believe. It's just part of being a follower of Jesus. And so this is part of what Peter was pushing against, was people coming in from the outside and corrupting our faith, their faith, but people come in and corrupt faith today as well. I mean, I'm assuming most of you have heard of YouTube. <laughs> you can find anything on there of anybody telling you anything you want to believe. And I'm going to read a scripture out of Jeremiah about that a little bit later. Let's jump into 2 Peter, though. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly 
introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. I've had lots of conversations with people over the years. I, I first started teaching up front in the church. My very, very first time was in 1980. I was all of 19 years old. And I remember uh, my pastor, his name was Greg Bretz at the time. I remember Greg talking to me and he said, listen, if you're going to do this, you need to understand that there is a weight to it. There is a, an importance to what you say, that there is, there is a greater judgment by God from those who want to teach an understanding of Jesus and his word. And you need to understand that there is a weight to that. And so if you choose to do this, I remember Greg talking to me, if you choose to do this, you need to understand that there is a responsibility that you are taking on. And are you sure this is something you want to do? Of course, 19-year-old Dusty's like, sure, <laughs> whatever, you know. Thanks, old dude. <laughs> you know, like I didn't really understand. And as the years have gone on, some long years now, um, 30, I think, um, later, I, th I think more and more I, I get to un I understand. Like I I've come to understand the responsibility that people like myself who stand up front or I would argue if you're online as well um, and you're teaching, purporting to teach God's word and an understanding of Jesus that there is a responsibility that you bear to do it to the best of your ability with integrity and a scripture um, with reverence. I don't know that everybody does. And it, I would be lying if I said I came here every Sunday with the same sense of... Um, responsibility that I do in this moment and today. Um, I try. Sometimes I fail. Um, but I recognize it, that that's true. So why is that? Peter mentions these false prophets among the people. He's referencing the people of Israel. And it happened over and over and over that false prophets and false priests and false teachers, I mean, this is not a new thing in our society today that we have people suddenly coming up with these wild, crazy, like, theologies and understandings of God that are way outside of Orthodox Christianity. This is not a new thing. It was happening since the church began and prior to that in Judaic Israel. So, Prophet Jeremiah says this. The prophets prophesy lies. The priests rule by their own authority. And here's the kicker. And my people love it this way, says the Lord. Sometimes like to be lied to. 
because it tells what we want to hear. Like, I want you to tell me what to hear. There are a lot of people who prophesied a lot of things in the last couple years that did not come true. They were wrong. Their prophecy was false. And they, at some point, will stand before Jesus and bear the weight of that. That's what scripture says. So I ask God to have mercy on them. Because that's a tough thing. Them repented. Some of them said, hey, I got it wrong. Which is good. And I believe God forgave them. People who listened and followed them gave them respect. I respect a church leader or a prophet or a pastor or a teacher who messes up, owns their mess up, apologizes, and then changes. The difficulty lies in when they don't change. It's like, I'm sorry, and I'm going to keep doing the same thing. Not real. But part of the reason they do it is because the people like them and like to hear that stuff. And as Peter was saying in this case, which happens still today, they do it out of greed. Like if I tell the people what they want to hear, hey, guys, listen up. God just wants you to be rich, fat, and happy. I've got two of those. Um, <laughs> like that's all God wants. And so let me give you all of the scriptures and all the ways that I know that God just be rich, fat, and happy. And then you help give me money to keep, so I can keep telling you exactly what you already want to hear. Right? Because it, it works. It's like selling cake. I like cake. I'll pay money for cake because I like to eat cake. Today's scripture is not cake. But it's God's word. So we don't avoid it. Peter even mentions how they questioned the divinity of Jesus. And as I mentioned earlier, this still happens today. There are many who call themselves followers of Jesus, but question whether he's actually God or divine. Peter also says it leads to destruction, both theirs and those who follow them. And so it's something we have to be aware of and be wary of, on the alert for, for anyone who's questioning whether Jesus is God. Because as we go back to, that's not orthodox. That is not what we believe. It also said, many will follow their depraved conduct and bring the way of truth into disrepute. I'm reading a book right now by T. Wright called After You Believe. And it's why Christian character matters. It's a book about virtue, which is not a big popular thing about anymore. Virtue. Christian virtue. But see, following Jesus means not only having correct doctrine and understanding of theology, but following Jesus means correct living. Like trying to be like Jesus, to live as Jesus did. And that's not always very popular. And if we're being totally honest, it's not always fun. Like, God, you want me to lay down my own desires and things I want and way of being to follow you? Jesus, you want me to, to serve others? Or as Paul says, take up my cross daily and follow you? Like that? Sometimes I don't want to. But that's virtue. 
That's character. It's integrity. And those things matter. They matter a lot. But they're not always the popular thing. And a lot of times, your friends or family might not understand why you've chosen to be different. They might not get it. Why you sacrifice. I, I've had this conversation with family members. Why do you give up time, energy, money, mental, emotional resources to like do church and to be with people and to serve God's people and and like why? I, I had I had one 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 of my family members was like like you know you're you're fairly smart and people listen to you a lot of times. You could make a lot of money. Like, you know, you could do other things on Sundays and Saturdays and, and make a lot of So why are you being stupid? It's a literal conversation I had. I was like, well, there's a scripture where Jesus says, what good is it a man a whole world yet lose his soul? And when it comes to virtue and character, what good is it for me to have everything I want everything I desire, and all the things that feel good if I lose my soul. Let's continue on. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man, living among them day after day, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and how to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Old and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of insect, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they perish. I was talking to, as we were talk, praying before service, and I was talking to the worship team, I was like, you know, I think I could probably spend a whole month on this chapter. <laughs> and like, okay, here's five verses. Let's talk about this. Here's five verses. Let's talk about this. There's just a lot in here. And I am not going to be able on Sunday morning to be able to touch on everything. My hope is to be able to give you a solid overview and then encourage you to go home, crack open your Bible, and study. Look at 2 Peter 2. See if what I'm saying this morning squares with what you read in Scripture, what the Holy Spirit's telling you, what other theologians and Bible teachers are saying. 
I encourage you to just take this as a, you know, that was really interesting. I wonder what Peter meant by that and dig in and find out for yourself. And if I something wrong, tell me. I don't think I did. I do my utmost to study and understand what is orthodox and Christian teaching throughout the centuries and, and find other people who are smarter than me, like Thomas Wright, who can read in the original Greek and Aramaic. And so what does he have to think about this? Or Grudem or some others um, that I respect? Like, I, I do my utmost, but check me. See, it's usually... Um, if, if, if you're ever serving with under a, a pastor or a prophet or an evangelist or an, an apostle or somebody in, in Christian leadership and they don't ever allow you to question them, run away. <laughs> go, go find someplace else. Hide. If they can't handle you asking questions, it's, it's not a healthy situation. It's not good. So that's just a, a little encouragement to you. Don't it's, um, say, hey, do you, you know, have a dialogue. Give me a call. Dustin, what were, you, what were you thinking? I don't know that said that. Some matters they don't understand. The heresy that Peter's referring to is that Gnosticism that I mentioned earlier. So I'm far into that. But they claimed to have this special unknown knowledge of God in Scripture. And you will often find people today who say the same thing. They're like, hey, wait, 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 wait. I know we've said this in the church for 2,000 years, but I have this great new special knowledge. Let me share it with you. $49.95 per month book. And, and if you want the study guide to go with it, that's an extra 15, but that's okay. You can handle that to have special knowledge that God gave me to share with you. Right? We've all seen it. We've all seen it. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and hold the righteous, unrighteous me for punishment on the day of judgment. Psalms 56 says this, the heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is, I wrestle with this. I'll be honest. There are times when I want to use my own little fist and enact judgment on someone because they really, really, really deserve it. And I feel like a little attitude adjustment with a right hook might be helpful in this situation. But I have to recognize that Judgment is God's and the punishment is God's. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have here on earth through our judicial system. We absolutely should. I would oftentimes prefer a little street justice. But God says that that's not his way. And so I have to choose to lay down myself and choose God's way and recognize. And sometimes like when I don't see justice here on earth, or I don't see things happen the way that I feel that they should, that someone who has done tremendous wrong to have judgment brought against them, and I'm not satisfied with how things went down here on earth, I have to take satisfaction and knowledge that God is just, and God is good, and God is righteous, 
and he, when they stand before him, it's going to be so much worse than anything my right fist could do. Because it talks all throughout scripture how when people are presented with a holy God, all they can do is fall flat on their face and weep. And I have to believe that that will happen. It'll probably happen with me. I know I've done screwed up stuff that I probably will need to, like, repent to God for. I'm sure all of us have, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. Continuing on. They will be paid back with harm, harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to arouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. A lot of what Peter's referring to in this letter is about these false teachers entering Christian church services and bringing in pagan teachings into practices, sucking others in with promises of sex and wealth, experience, like physical experiences. And sadly, again, this is not a new story. It's an old story. It's a middle story. It'll probably be until Jesus comes back story, right? So it's our job to be on guard and to be aware and to assess what teaching we're receiving. They have left the straight way and have wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer. Loved the wages of wickedness, but he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty words. And by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. I'm being sarcastic here. Does anyone else get the sense that Peter's not a fan of these guys? Like, you know, he's, he's got a few choice for them. If they, he was using Talay's language, I probably couldn't say it in church. But for them, this was really strong language. I mean, I kind of understand this. And not just from a God's justice sense, but a human one as well. It's hard sometimes to be orthodox. It, it's sometimes difficult to um, say, well, this is, this is what Scripture says. Here's the truth that we've understood of Scripture for the last 2,000 years. And I know that what they're saying sounds like a lot better to how you want to live. It's not Christian. I'm sorry. And this is, like I said over and over today, this is not a new thing. He was wrestling with this in the very first early part of the church. It's part of our human mission to want what we want. We've all heard the phrase, right? You do you. Right? Just you do you. If we're a follower of Jesus, it should be you do Jesus. Not you do you. You, Jesus, be like Christ. 
They promise them freedom. While they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people to whatever has mastered them. If they've escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Savior Jesus Christ, and again are entangled in it, are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Sir once said this, I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? We all follow someone. We all follow something. Choose Jesus. That's what you should be hearing this morning. And hopefully every Sunday. Choose Jesus. It would have been better not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Some of the funnest part of scripture. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. See, once we know something, we are responsible for it. When you've come to know Jesus Christ, when you've come to know the way of Christ, when you've heard that we are to be loved, that God is love, and we are to love, that love, joy, pace, patience, peace, self-control, Christian virtues, the way of Jesus. Once you've been told of this way, you are then responsible for that. And sorry guys, cat's out of the bag, you're here, you've been told. You've heard of Jesus. You've heard of his way. And now you are responsible to respond to that way, to, to walk as Christ walked, and not just your own way. You have a responsibility, because we also have power. Jesus said before he left, that I'm sending you a helper, the Holy Spirit, and that you will do even greater things than I have done. He gave us the Spirit. We have a responsibility to share God's grace and God's love, God's redemption and God's power to a world that so desperately needs it. Um, I had an, every, an intention to end early today, and I'm, I'm on track to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm uh, going to lead us in, in prayer, um, and then I'm going to... Um, Hopefully, make sure each and every one of you has a nice cool drink to grab from the cooler that is a foyer on your way out and bless you. Um, thank you for all of you who joined us online today. Thank you for those of you who I said braved the, the fire and the heat and the smoke and the storm and, and to come this morning. I, I appreciate and am grateful to each and every one of you. Um, let us pray. Lord Jesus. We want to be your followers, God. Lord, I, even as I was praying, I, was, I remembered when, when the Apostle Paul said, why is it I find myself doing those things that I know I ought not do? And Lord, I, I wrestle with that. I know all of us wrestle with that, God. 
Lord, would you help us? Lord, would you help us to be aware of, of, of false teaching, of people who would try to pull us off of your path, who would try to guide us and direct us away from the knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. Jesus, you are everything. And you have given us everything. Lord, your word says that no greater thing than this than a man lays down his life for his brother. And Jesus, that's what you did for us. You laid your, down your life for us. You gave it all, God. And Lord, we still wrestle with our own way and wanting to do our own thing and, and wanting people to tell us what we want to hear. And Lord, sometimes we even run away from your, your truth. Jesus, we profess this morning that you are God. That you are Lord. Let none think that we believe anything otherwise. That we're your followers. That you came, you died, you rose again. You sat with the Father in heaven waiting us. Lord, we profess these things. We believe these things to be true. We believe that you sent your Holy Spirit to us to be our comforter, to be our companion, to guide us and direct us. We thank you for that gift, Jesus. Lord, would you help us in those areas in our lives where we are broken, where, where we put our own wants and desires and, and predilections and prejudices and I want us the way of your will. Lord, would you, as you always do, gently, kindly, and a lot of times in my case, thump me upside the head into going the way that you would have us go, Jesus. Lord, we profess that we love you and we reckon you love us, and that you are a good God, that you want the best for us. So help us find your best for ourselves and for those we love, Jesus. Lord, I just, I speak a blessing over everyone here this morning. I speak a blessing over all of those watching online this morning, Lord God. Lord, would you bless us with your Holy Spirit? Thank you, Lord. Um, as I was praying, I, I felt like, like I was supposed to say this, that um, the scripture says that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So he, he doesn't condemn us. It says that he didn't come to condemn the world, but rather he came to save the world. God doesn't want us to just Screw up sin so that he bring the hammer down. That's not how he is. He said that he came to die for us while we were yet sinners. He wants us to be redeemed. He wants for us to change. He wants us to ask him for forgiveness and, and to be better. That's his heart, not to condemn us. His heart is for us to be redeemed and to be restored into right relationship with him. So I just, I, I felt like I was supposed to, in of this, 
um, say this isn't to condemn us. This is to restore us in right relation. That Peter's saying these things because he doesn't want people to destroy. He wants them to be restored to Jesus. So I just, I, I wanted to kind of clarify that. I just, as I was praying, I felt like the Holy Spirit was, was nudging me to, to kind of clarify that point. Anyway, God bless you guys. Please go drink cool water, cool off. Thank you all for coming. Bless you. And uh, we'll continue on in Second Peter next week.